The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We now enter into the most holy days of, of the year. And what special circumstances do we enter in these holy days? As I was praying and asking our Lord, what do they need to hear? Lord, please give me the words that your people who are listening, who will listen this evening, need to hear. And as I read the gospel and reflected on this evening, an institution of the Eucharist, the institution of the priesthood, and Jesus washing the feet of his apostles and teaching them what he wants of them, and reflecting on the betrayal of one of the twelve. I remembered a grace I received a few years ago when I was on a medical mission in Guatemala. And that we would go down to Guatemala on the medical mission during the hottest time of the year. And it was a little bit more hot than the summers here in North Carolina. And this parish priest had, I believe, about 20 outlying communities to take care of. So for these people, they would have the grace of receiving the sacraments of the Eucharist and confession about once a month. So Father would send me out in the mornings to one or two of the little communities and help him. And I remember we arrived... And there was this little fixture of, that served as their building for their, their chapel. It had no walls, just a roof. 
and it was very hot. And as I arrived, there, were a, there was a long line of people who were waiting for confession. And they had a little fire going to heat up the charcoal for incense because they were going to have incense at this Mass. And as I was watching the people who were waiting for confession and waiting for others going to confession, there was a joy in the air that you could see and perceive. As I finished the confessions to begin Mass, the sacristan came over and he lit the charcoal and there was lots of incense and it was really hot. And we began Mass and during the Gospel and a brief homily, the charcoal, the fire had died down and I remembered thinking to myself, thank God, it is not as hot as it used to be. At that moment, the sacristan, this old man, jumped up and he put fresh coals into, <laughs> for the incense and got the incense going with lots of smoke again. And I looked at him, and that part of me at first said, oh no. And I was looking at him to see if he was doing this as a joke for the visiting priest. But when I saw him, his face only radiated happiness and joy. And I looked out to the people who had been waiting for hours in that hot climate, patiently. I only saw the same thing, happiness and joy. And they were very glad to have a priest. For them, it was normal to have Mass about once a month. And it came to me as I was praying this morning that during this or this evening, during these days, these weeks, this little tiny thing that's actually not even a, a living creature, this virus, has done one thing at least. It has really leveled the playing field of the entire world. Because we have all been affected by it, whether we are healthy or ill, old or young, Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. In that sense, it has leveled the playing field. And in this context of the Eucharist, the priesthood, washing of the feet, our Lord also prayed for one thing that maybe in a spiritual sense we hope to strive for always, but this year, maybe even in many senses, it is happening. Our Lord prayed for unity. He prayed that they all may be one. As we pray this evening, too, and many are suffering because you would be physically here this evening for these liturgies and the liturgies of the next few days, we can have a tangible experience of unity with the entire church. In a church where many people in some parts of the world only have the blessing of receiving the sacraments once a month or or even less. But in this, in this year, at least, we can pray from a very lived experience of the desire to be present with our Lord in the Eucharist, a desire to be close to the men our Lord has chosen to be his priests to bring us the Eucharist and the sacraments. Maybe union this year can take on a different meaning for all of us through the common experience that has affected us. 
As we come together this evening and we're giving our Lord thanks for the Eucharist and we're giving him thanks for the priesthood as he enters now as the Lamb to offer himself to pay the sacrifice for our sins, let us also remember that it is true that Christ's life is our life and our life is Christ's life. It's not only something to say with figurative speech, but because of our baptism, we are united with our Lord. And in that sense, his life is our life. And our lives become his. And through the power of baptism and all the sacraments, and to be nourished by the Eucharist along our journey, the Christ, the sacraments, takes us to places where we cannot go ourselves. Because we all have a passion to go through if we want to rise to fullness of life. We all have a Jerusalem to go up to. But the gate, and our Lord told us, the gate is narrow. And many will turn away because it's so intimidating. Even some from the inner group, the closest friends of his, of the twelve, were so intimidated that at the moment when it began, they ran away for a while out of fear. And one of them betrayed him. Our life is Christ's life, and his life is ours. And maybe this evening we cannot physically receive our Lord in the Eucharist. We are still united to him through our baptism, through our deepened in our confirmation. He is still alive and working. And if we can come out of these weeks, however long this will take, with a deeper love for and a strong, stronger yearning for the sacraments, of the Eucharist and confession, that will be a good fruit to receive from our Lord. That will be something that will help us look back on Holy Week 2020 and remember also good things. If we come out of this more pure and more deeply rooted in God's love and his will, he will be able to bring good things out of this present suffering. And our Lord, who is the unblemished lamb, the beautiful lamb, who is the sacrifice, told all of those who want to follow him from the very beginning, he told us the truth. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And where did he go? He went to Jerusalem, and that's where they killed him. If we want to follow Christ, it is a message of self-denial and cross and death. But there's life on the other side. If we persevere through that narrow gate, God will make us rise again. And our Lord, the perfect lamb, does this one time. And he perpetuates that sacrifice again and again in the Eucharist, in every Mass. It is the one sacrifice of our Lord himself. We, however, fallen and wounded by sin, constantly need to go to Jerusalem again and again and again to have a part of us die so that a part of us may rise to newness of life and fullness of life. 
where we shed little by little, hopefully quickly, but little by little, the slavery to sin, to rise to freedom in the Holy Spirit, freedom of life. A relationship with Christ implies suffering, yes, but so that we can live in fullness of life, a life of freedom and beauty. And I'd finally just like to leave you with this poem from a Carmelite, a cloistered Carmelite nun who reflected on the role of beauty in God's plan for his world. I don't remember her name in religious life, but her name at birth is Jessica Powers. And she has very deep insights into the spiritual life. And I'd like you to reflect on this or listen to this through the lens of beauty and what love does and the role that suffering has in all of that. And Jessica wrote, Beauty too seeks surrender. Love writes surrender as its due, but how is beauty actor? The heart remembers wound and loss, while mind sings benefactor. God takes by love what yields to love, then pours a glowing allness past the demolished walls and towers into the spirit's smallness. God's beauty, too, surrender seeks and takes in the will's lull whatever lets itself be changed into the beautiful. And so as Michelangelo has marked it out to be, since beauty is the purging of all superfluity, the yielded soul that lifts its gaze to charms past nature's claim, expects to have experience of blade and file and flame. As we sincerely try to follow our Lord, let us not be scandalized by the reality of suffering that self-denial and cross bring but let us be nourished by his grace that is in in us and present to us, first through our baptism, so that he may pull us through the narrow gate and the empty tomb to be able to rise to the beauty of fullness of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you, rejoicing in the Passover of the Lord, and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, especially for her priests, as we celebrate the institution of the priesthood, that they may always be visible signs of the Eucharist that they celebrate, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may come to know Jesus Christ in his body and blood, and in his humility, his service, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that in their suffering they may know that they are united to the Passover of the Lord and his suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and religious life, 
those young men and women who will strive to follow the Lord in a unique way for a greater reverence for the following of marriage in a single life. We pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having spent time in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord, they may be visible signs of him. We pray to the Lord. For all those suffering from the coronavirus, for our protection, for an end to that virus, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, that they may come to know the eternal banquet, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed And for all of us here, all of us joining, all those joining us through live stream, that the Eucharist may have a transforming power on our lives, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Eucharist as we sing. Mm -hmm. 